Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals by providing strategies you can implement immediately. Our guest today is Jennifer Thornton. We have asked Jennifer to join us today because she's an expert on what many companies refer to as talent management. She has that perspective that we appreciate. She understands what it takes to succeed in the corporate world and what can hold you back. And more importantly, she is willing to share those insights with us. So Jennifer, welcome to Career Central. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be a fun show. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, Let's just kick off by you sharing with our audience your career path. Oh, gosh. So, you know, my career path, um, I got to do exactly what I always wanted to do. When I um, started looking for jobs when I was really young, um, I won't date myself, but maybe before the internet, um, you know, it was really cool to hang out in the mall. And I loved fashion. I loved the mall. And so all I wanted to do in life was work in the mall and dreams came true. I got a job at the mall. And I started my career in retail. But, you know, it's interesting. What I didn't know at the time is I was learning some incredible skills. I was learning how to lead teams. I was making hiring decisions at a very young age. And, you know, I was running a multi-million dollar business. And I don't think, you know, we walk into our local mall, we don't really realize that those individuals are running multi-million dollar businesses and making business decisions all day, every day. And so, you know, I fell in love with the industry. I fell in love with the complexity of it, um, all the different ways that you, know, that you can work in the retail industry. The first half of my career was in the operations side. And then halfway through my career, I moved over to the HR side of the business. And the reason I did that was mainly because it's where I got my wins. You know, a lot of people on the operations side were super competitive and always were chasing after those KPIs. And that wasn't me. I really loved having a great team. Like I love the joy of thinking about if I put this person in this position and if I worked with this person, could they do that? Like really kind of just, you know, the complexities of the team and really strategizing the talent. And so that's how I ended up in HR. I did several different jobs, um, including recruitment for several years. Um, But the last several years of my uh, career, maybe the last four or five, I had the opportunity to take on um, the international HR department for the organization I worked with. And so I got to lead really amazing teams in China and Hong Kong and London and Mexico. And um, that was incredible. I learned so much. Um, just endless information every day. I mean, you just woke up and you just were drinking out of a fire hose when it came to learning, working internationally. But, you know, it came to a point where in my career, I knew I needed to make a change. I was getting to an age where it was like that nice window to kind of change um, my career path. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to change, I have to do it now. And so um, I took a leap of faith and started my own business. And so for the last three and a half years, I've owned 304 Coaching. Um, And what we do is what I've always loved to do since I started my career, and that's talent strategy and leadership education. And so I, you know, had the opportunity to, you know, start my own business. So every single day I wake up, I get to do what I love to do. And um, before the show started, you were sharing that you really have sort of a mission that you see in terms of 
the recruitment and the leadership, you know, what is, what motivates you to do that? So, you know, it's interesting. I um, bought my first house in a very transitional um, neighborhood and I still live there today in um, downtown Dallas. And it was interesting to move here because it's a very diverse um, neighborhood, you know, diverse in any kind of category you can imagine. But what I learned living here, because we were very involved in reducing crime, very involved in um, increasing quality of life for our neighbors. And to make a better community, one of the things you have to do is create better work environments. And it was just a really incredible thing that I realized I hadn't thought of. And so, you know, when you think about going to work every day, because, you know, most of us do that, especially for listening to the show, we're probably going to work or have been. And how you feel when you go home from work or leave your kitchen table if you're working remotely these days, but how you emotionally feel about yourself directly impacts your evening or your morning with your family or your loved ones or your friends. And if you are feeling confident and you feel like you can achieve things and you feel like people respect you, then you're going to treat your family that way. And then they go out into that world and treat people that way too. But if you're overwhelmed and you're stressed and you feel like you might be fired and your boss is a bully or your boss said mean things to you, you, that trickles over into your home life and therefore it trickles out into our communities. And so I don't think people realize that how you treat your employees doesn't stay at the door. It does go home with them and it impacts all of our communities. And I really want to reinforce what you said is that we all should have a job where we feel good. I mean, yes, we work hard. We may be tired but we feel good at the end of the day. And then we came, yeah. come home to our families and our neighborhood. And that just energizes us. We talked a lot about if you have a job you really love, you come home and you're energized. If you have a job that you really dislike, you, you come home drained and you kind of take it out on the people around you, which is why we talked earlier, why Career Central got started, because I truly believe everybody should be enjoying their, their job. And that's why we um, are having this conversation this morning. And I know that you have a broad background in HR, but there's also a specialty that you have, and that's why we had you on, and that is fear. And fear is a topic of conversation um, that a lot of us have. It affects our life, especially now. I think we're more sensitive to, to what our fears are. Most of us know the feeling, but we don't know why we have it, and Reality is not all of us are afraid of the same thing. So I, it's got to be something internal. And I know you spent some time studying the reason that we feel fear. And so can you give us an overview of that neuroscience of fear that you are, know so much about? Absolutely. And I'm so excited you bring that up because it's one of my favorite things to talk about because I think that we have a lot of fear of the of fear, but when we understand where it comes from, it reduces the fear. And so what's interesting about us as humans, all of us, doesn't matter who we are, but as humans, we all have a brain and the brain has only one job and its only job is to keep us alive. That's it. And how it does that is through fear. And it's all chemical responses that we have no biological control over. So, you know how you walk up to a cliff and like, or a high level, like a high part of a building or a roof and you look down and your belly does that little flip flop and you're like, oh, that is fear saying, hey, 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 back away. That's dangerous. And so it's acknowledging danger, your brain, and it's getting you to change your behavior to keep you safe. 
So that plays out all day, every day. So say you're going to go into a job interview. Your brain is like, oh, there could be danger in there. You could be judged. You could be made felt bad or feel bad about yourself. You know, someone might tell you that you're not good enough. Like your brain's telling you all of this unconsciously because if you don't go into that job interview and you don't face that fear, then you're safe. And it's just like backing up off that cliff. And so we have to recognize that so much of our mindset comes from this fear chemical um, that gets released. And, you know, we kind of have to manage it. We have to say, hey, fear, I hear you, but I'm getting out of the cave today. And if I get judged, I get judged. I'm not going to die. I'm not going off the cliff. I'm going to be just fine. But yeah, it's interesting how fear actually tries to keep us safe in our little cave and um, keeps us from venturing out and doing the things we really want to do with our life. I think that's a great explanation. And you talked about how fear can, you know, affect you when you go into an interview. But can you give us some examples like just day-to-day operations when we're, you know, in the workplace and how sometimes that fear, maybe we don't even get that gut feeling like we do at the edge of the Grand Canyon, but somehow it's still happening so that we can get in touch with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, say that you're at your desk and all of a sudden you're like, oh, and you have this huge unlock, right? You're like, that's exactly why we're struggling with this. And you're like, I can fix this. And then all of a sudden you go, but you know, my boss really likes the way we do it. And they might be mad if I tell the truth or, you know, I don't know if we can really do this. And if it doesn't work, I might be in trouble. And so you can see how you have this great idea and your brain starts to back you back down off of it. And so when that starts to happen in that type of situation, you can just say, you know, I have the choice here. I can do big things. I can move a mountain, maybe an inch or maybe a foot, but I can do something with it. Um, And recognizing all of that is just your fear trying to keep you safe. Um, I think that oftentimes we're maybe in a group setting or a meeting and we want to, we have an idea or we want to ask a question that we need some, some clarification. You know, fear keeps us from getting clarification a lot. And so then we start thinking, oh, well, if I, I need to know this so that I can, you know, execute this project. But then you're like, oh, but if I ask, I'm probably the only one in the room that doesn't get it. I bet I, my boss is going to think I'm not smart enough. And so then you don't ask the question. Therefore, you can't deliver in a way in which you could if you had all the information. So those are a couple of situations that I think happen often um, that come up in the workplace. So I'm, I'm sure you've worked with people who have, you know, their career's been limited by all these messages. Can you, talk, can you give us an example either from your personal experience or a client's experience? Because it's always great to say, oh, just don't do it. Yeah. But actually, mm-hmm. the fear says, oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's just like, you know, double-edged. You yeah. know, I'm afraid of doing what I'm afraid to do. So, Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've had to learn, um, because, you know, this is a chemical response in all of us, you know, for every day of our life. And so, you know, sometimes I'll have a new client call me and then I'm going to, you know, talk to them about what we could do with them. And my brain does exactly what it was meant to do. Oh, you know, they're probably going to go with someone else. You're probably not like my brain starts that. And I'm like, right. It makes me so frustrated because I know what it's doing. And then I, I, a tool I use is just say, you know, they called me for a reason. 
Or you could say to yourself, I'm in this position for a reason. Um, I have to say, you know, I have a choice of stumbling or a choice of never getting off the ground. And so I start to kind of ask, anytime I know this is coming, I start to ask myself questions and start to kind of remind myself of what's going on. And, you know, our mind is our map, you know, our as humans, we can only relate to what we've seen, experienced, touched, felt, smelled. Anything outside of that, we don't really understand. And so for me, when I set in fear or when people set in fear, what I want you to know is every time you lean into that fear and you just push through it, even if you push through it 20%, it doesn't mean you have to like bulldoze the brick wall. Your mind map and your experiences will expand and therefore, now you see things in a new way. You'll have more clarity and you'll actually be better at whatever you're trying to do that's new. So someone who's really de- dealing with that fear, as soon as they think of an idea at the office, they go, oh, the boss won't like it or they'll judge me or something. Mm-hmm. Um, huge leap to go, oh, no, I'm going to go in and tell the boss, you yeah. know, this is how we have it's to whatever. run this company. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about baby steps or, you know, you know, how we get from, oh, no, I can't say anything in a meeting to maybe speaking up. Oh, I love that you asked that. So I think that one of the things you have to start to think is, all right, did I flush through my ideas? Did I do all this? Okay, say you did all the work and you know it's a darn good idea and you've got to share it. And maybe you have a boss who doesn't love to hear new ideas, doesn't like to be told that they're wrong. You know, one of the interesting things about us as humans, we can actually get addicted to being right, physically addicted to that dopamine hit. And you may have a boss that's addicted to being right. So if you tell them something they don't want to hear, you might take away their addiction of choice. And that is never a good day, but you can do it in a way that, that, that makes sense for your boss in a way that's not threatening. And one of the things I don't love is when people say, well, make it, make it, make them think it's their idea. I don't love that because then you're not sticking up for yourself, but make it go to them and make it seem like it's something they want to know not their idea, but something you have that they want to know. So you can start it by saying things like, you know, I was really putting my head down and thinking about why we're struggling and selling product X. And I looked at everything inside, outside, inside, out. I threw away everything I thought possible so I could get a fresh. And I have some ideas, but they're different from what we've talked about before. Are you interested in hearing them? Now, again, they're different. Are you interested in hearing them? And so then your leader might be, oh, I know they're going to be different. They've done the work. Yeah, I am interested in hearing it. And so you're inviting them into a conversation, inviting them to co-collaborate with you, which feels very different than going in and going, well, I solved the problem. You know, Mike over here doesn't know what he's doing, but I do. And you know, that doesn't work, right? And so you have to get people interested in joining your thoughts, joining into collaboration and working with you to create something that's right for the organization. So when you're in the process of trying to get someone on on your team or that, does that help overcome that that fear? That is that part of the the science of the brain? So I think if you have a plan, that will reduce your fear. Um, there will be times where you have choices to to hold fear's hand and walk with it. And that will often be the case. Um, you cannot turn fear off because it is the only thing that keeps you alive. Okay. 
And so I, you know, I believe in making friends with it because if you understand why it's doing what it's doing and it's creating these stories, and again, that's how our brain actually processes information. It makes up all these crazy stories. And unfortunately, it usually creates stories that aren't good for us, right? It'll create a story that my boss doesn't like me. I'm going to get in trouble. If I say this, I'll be judged. I say, if you're going to make up a story and you don't know the truth, at least make up one that serves you. You know, hey, I'm thinking differently, but this may just be what we need to think about versus I'm thinking differently and I'm going to get in trouble. You know, if you're going to make it up, make it up to help you. Okay. So I love that. Just holding the hand of fear as 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 you move forward. Tell let's explore a little bit more about the language. I mean, you used a, a great way of framing this conversation. Not the, you know, this department is failing because, and then immediately the person listening goes, Oh, wait a minute, she's blaming me. But mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit more about language because that that is obviously how we communicate our ideas mm-hmm. and ways of maybe reducing the fear for you and then also removing the barrier to the person because that person may be having some fear too, like, oh, they don't think I'm doing a good job. So you've sort of got two two fears meeting each other. And if you're going to take the lead and, you know, develop the bridge to the other person, what kind of, how, how do we do our language? What, Yeah. So one of the things you hit on is absolutely right. Not only are we fighting our own fear, the person we're talking to, again, they're human. So guess what? They're doing the exact same thing. And they're creating those stories in their head too. I'm going to get judged. I'm going to get in trouble. My employees don't think I should be in this job. So everyone's creating their own story that is not necessarily productive. So to co-create and to build that trust and to remove fear We have to learn to do things like ask questions we don't know the answer to. That's really, really hard Um, because when we ask questions, we often know the answer and we're letting that, we're kind of walking that person into, you know, our opinion. Um, But to, you know, reduce fear, you have to recognize you don't know everything. And so maybe asking questions like, you know, I know that you would like, you know, your, your, your supervisor tells the team, we've got to do this project by this time and all these things have to happen. And you're like, oh, no, like your fear is starting to go. It's going to be impossible. You could say things like, hey, I know this can be done collectively in this team. What's the one thing all of us have to come together and do together so that we make this happen? And so, again, to reduce fear, a lot of times is opening up conversations. Um, Everyone in the room, if you said that, everyone in the room would be like, yeah, yeah, could you tell me that one thing? Because I don't want to mess up either, right? And so, sometimes reducing your own fear is really about reducing everyone else's fear through your language. And it sounds like reducing your fear by partnering with somebody else, sort of like fear walking together Yeah, there is strength in numbers and there is safety in numbers. And that includes, you know, our fear in the workplace. So that might be a strategy for someone who's feeling a lot of of fear is to maybe partner with somebody. You've got the great idea, but you talk to a coworker and think, you know, get them to give you some input, which might help you move forward and advancing your idea. Yeah, absolutely. And when you partner with someone, make sure that you're collaborating in a way that builds um, possibilities, that builds, you know, um, strength. Because too often when we partner in the workplace, we partner in a negative way. And that just compounds your fear. So when you partner with someone, make sure you're partnering in a way to move forward and be progressive. 
We are going to take a very short break, and when we're going to come back, we're going to continue the, the discussion of positive language, cooperating with coworkers in a way to overcome that fear that may be holding you back in your career. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book. Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Jennifer Thornton. But right before the break, we were talking about partnering with a coworker to maybe overcome some of your fears about advancing a new idea. Our underlying theme is that we want to encourage people, provide people the the skills they need to have a positive working situation. And one of the things that Jennifer and I have both found is that the fear of speaking up, that little voice that says, no, don't do it, is holding us back in our careers. So we're going to jump right back in with a question for Jennifer. Um, uh, Let's continue talking about maybe building a positive partnership with someone to help advance ideas. So I love the term thought partner. And when you think of your coworkers, think of them as thought partners. Not every one of them may be a thought partner, but I bet many of them could be. And it's important to think of them as thought partners because too often we use those relationships to complain and, you know, moan and groan. And is there a time and place to be like, oh, today's been just, you know, yes. 
But if we get into situations with coworkers where all they do or all we do is complain, then we go into this perpetual cycle of negative um, feelings and those produce, you know, cortisol in our body. And that's, no one wants that in their body, you know, no one wants that stress hormone. But every time you sit around and complain with your coworkers, that's what you're doing. But if you have people that you look at as thought partners and you're people that will think with you or people you can run ideas through and they and their job is to maybe poke holes in it or to beat it up so that you can get even a better idea, then those are the types of relationships at work that are incredibly um, rewarding, um, productive, and will help both of you become better at your job and ultimately help the organization. But I like to think about, you know, coworkers as thought partners um, and not teammates because they really are thought partners. I love that perspective. And again, when you have that idea and you think, oh, they're not going to like it, you go to your thought partner and say, let's, let's flesh this out. Let's make sure that I am on, on the right track. I, I love that. And we don't usually go to the negative, but I want to talk about how fear can de- derail your career. And maybe you could share some examples of, of folks you've worked with or have shared with you how fear kept them from moving forward. Yeah, it happens all the time and it's really heartbreaking. And when I work with clients and they jump on board with me and they're in that kind of fear downward spiral, it's the first job we always have is let's let's just put the brakes on, right? And then we'll figure out from there. I always call it kind of that decompression. And so what happens oftentimes, maybe we've had a bad time at work, we've had a bad day, we've had a disagreement with our supervisor, whatever happens. So our fear starts triggering. We create the story, you know, I'm going to get in trouble, I'm going to get fired, I'm no good at this, why do they keep me around? But what happens is once you enter into that and you start releasing those chemicals, that cortisol that is associated with it, your brain actually starts to crave more of that. And so you start to actually create even more fear. And when we are in fear, our primitive brain is working. And one of the things it does to keep us alive is it turns off or really tones down our prefrontal cortex. And our prefrontal cortex is what makes us different from animals. It's our emotions. It's our um, ability to process. It's where we learn. And so you can see as your fear goes up, your ability to control your emotions, learn, and your thoughts actually starts to go down. And so if you feel like you're in trouble at work and you've got to figure something out and fast, the part of your brain that needs it's actually being turned off. And so then you go into more fear, which means it gets closed down even more. And you can see how that will start to cycle. And I see that happen all of the time. And so when you're in that cycle of fear, you have to stop and, you know, recognize it, um, start to really just, you know, breathe through it. And I know that sounds somewhat simple, but it's true. Anything you can do to reduce, reduce your stress or your anxiety at that moment allows your prefrontal cortex to start opening back up and then problem solving starts happening. Learning starts happening. All the stuff you need gets turned back on. And so I think we don't always realize that, you know, when our fear is cycling in our career, the reason it cycles is because we're actually turning off the piece of our brain we need to actually turn our career around or to turn a project around or to turn a relationship around. We're, we're turning that off. And I think that's a wonderful, um, for me, a, a visual that fear promotes more fear and you just keep going and you, just like you can be addicted to being right, you start to be addicted to being afraid. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how you help people step out of that that space. 
Yeah. So, you know, when someone's in that space, um, the first question I ask them when they, I'm like, so tell me what's going on, right, at work. And, you know, you'll hear all the stories, right? And so, one of the first questions I always ask is, how much of that story is verifiable truth? And they're like, well, I mean, they said that, so that means this. And I'm like, but what if it didn't mean that? What else could be true? And then they're like, well, I guess what else could be true is, well, you know, I know it was a bad day. You know, the director's meeting went bad and I got them right after that. All right. So what else could be true is this had nothing to do with you and had everything to do with their state of mind. Yes. All right. So how does that change how you feel about it? And so they start to recognize that all of these stories are creating in their head around fear likely are not true. And that's a big piece of growth mindset or living without fear is stopping and saying to yourself when you tell yourself those stories and you're in fear, what else could be true? And when you recognize what else could be true, your mind starts to gain clarity and starts to decompress. And then again, our prefrontal cortex starts to open. And then we're like, oh, oh, I guess what else could be true is this had nothing to do with me. I just happened to be the person in that person's way and I got it. And it had zero to do with me. And that's something that I think all of us can do when we're in fear is just stop and ask ourselves what else could be true. I love that. My thinking is first, you feel the fear, some deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Um, to to um, engage the rest of your brain, the, the part that shut off because you're in fear. And then just look at that situation. You know, your boss yelled at you. Instead of saying, my boss yelled at me because I'm me, why else could the boss have yelled at you? Is, you know, again, bad day, something just happened. Um, would you ever follow up? You know, hopefully nobody's boss yells at them. That's kind of extreme. But <laughs> yeah. the boss that goes, uh, you know, yeah. makes some, some noise yeah. rather than responding to you. Mm-hmm. Would you ever do that think through and then actually talk to the boss? Would that help you deal with your fear? You know, I think that's a great um, option and um, one that creates a better relationship. And so if you go through something and you recognize, you know what, something else could be true or here's the deal. Maybe you did mess up because guess what? None of us are perfect. And maybe you did mess something up and you've got to go fix it. I mean, that's that's reality. So then, you know, going back to your supervisor and just opening up the line of, con- of conversation and say, hey, last week during our touch base, I know that I frustrated you because I missed this deadline, this point, or this wasn't to your uh, up to the standard that I know I can deliver in. I want to recognize that I had opportunity to learn from that. And here's what I've done since last week. And what I want to know from you going forward, if I deliver at that level, are you happy with my performance? And I just want to reiterate, you didn't just go and say, oh, gee, I messed up. You had a, an action plan which I'm assuming also when you have an action plan, it takes some of that fear away because, you know, if you go and say, oh, I'm sorry. And then you think, well, I'm going to get fired versus, you know, I apologize and, and, and move on. Mm-hmm. That, any other thoughts on language? Because I think that's the hardest thing for us when we, uh, for me, when you're fearful is to make the language collaborative. It is. You're right. It is hard. And I think that, you know, if you go and have that kind of conversation with your supervisor and you invite them to tell you if moving forward that they'll be satisfied with your work, what that does is it, again, it reduces your fear because you hear from your boss, you know what? 
I'm so excited that you looked at this. I'm glad that that was a learning moment for you. And you're right. If you deliver on this going forward, I'm going to be thrilled with your performance. And that changes your relationship with that person. It changes how you think about it. Or you can hide in your office and say, man, I hope I never mess that up again. And you just keep creating the story about how your boss is still so mad at you, where you can go and have a conversation, rebuild that story in a way that's productive for you and your leader. And the two of you get to go forward in a whole new way. And if you have those types of conversations over and over again, you will grow in ways you never imagined. Your relationships with your teammates, your boss, your peers, your cross-functional partners, everyone When you take that approach, those relationships change in a whole new way and your career possibilities will open up in even more ways. I want to talk about something that I hear quite often from from folks I talk to is this constant thing about I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired. It's like that that is the, the only option for a mistake. You know, if I do that, I'm going to get fired. Let's let's explore that whole to me, that's the extreme level of fear in the in the office. Like, oh, I'm going to go in tomorrow and they're going to fire me. And if you live with that every day after a while, it really takes a toll. You know, it's interesting that you talk about that. One of the things I do when I work with executives is, you know, I really tell them, you know, as an executive, your number one job is to remove fear in the workplace because fear is the other side of innovation, And every executive is like, I want my company to be more innovative. I want my company to make, I want everyone making great decisions on their own. I don't want to handhold anyone, right? All that stuff. Well, to make all that possible, people have to be okay with failure because the other side of decision-making and innovation is sometimes we'll fail. And so if you're in a place where you're always worried that perfection is the only choice and there are more companies than not that believe that, then what I want to tell you is perfectionism is a tool of fear. Because when you set in perfectionism or you feel like you're expected to be perfect, what that does is it makes you think, well, if I go above and beyond, if I do, if I you know, dot every I, say it exactly like I'm supposed to, all of those things, and I won't get fired. I won't be judged. But when you're fighting inside that perfectionism, you're really holding your career back. You're not performing. You're not thinking of great new ideas. All the stuff that would move your career forward, you're actually not doing because you're chasing this idea of perfectionism. And again, perfectionism, it's a tool of fear. And so if you have, you know, that boss that wants that, sometimes you can say to them, like, I've got 10 things on my plate this week. You know, I believe that these three are A priorities, you know, with these other two, I know they have to be done, but is it okay if they're a passing grade so that I can get an A plus on these three things? And contract with your supervisor around what needs to be A plus work and what needs to be a passing grade. There is a lot of the work that we think needs to be perfect that really only needs to be at a passing grade. I like that. And, and of course, our perspective on this program is what the um, employee can do. You know, uh, it's great if you have the boss that goes, wow, you know, just take a chance. I'll support you no matter what. Mm -hmm. But you find yourself with the boss that does um, require perfection and is so hard on that. Um, The conversation with the boss, anything else um, to help turn that from from fear to innovation? Because Mm -hmm. when you're innovative, then usually your career moves forward. Yeah. I think also having conversations with that leader around, um, around failure. 
And so starting to get comfortable in that conversation with them. And so if you go to your your supervisor and you're like, you know, last week you tasked me with this project. It was the first time I ever did it. And I'll tell you, I wasn't very good at it at the beginning. And I'm not perfect at it yet, but here's the progress I've made. And here's where I started on Monday. And here it is a week later on Tuesday. And here's where I've gotten it. You know, what advice do you have for me to get it over the hump? But what you're doing is you're, again, using your language to let your boss know that you are excited about this new project. You're excited to learn and to get it right, but you're kind of contracting with them that you are in the learning phase. And while you're in the learning phase, you need their support. But it's not like you go in and go, you know, I tried it and I didn't get it right. And so I, you know, assign this to someone else, or I don't know how to do this. And I'm going to hide in my cubicle and hope my boss forgot that he told me to do this. Um, instead, you just, again, you open up that conversation, you know, it's the first time I've done this, I'm figuring it out, here's as far as I've come, where, how else can I go, like, what other direction, what advice do you have for me? Um, but letting people know where you are in your learning curve and that you are on a journey and inviting them to participate in that journey, um, it, it excites them because most supervisors want to see their team members grow. And, you know, sometimes we have to help them with that journey and help them help us. I like that perspective of thinking that your supervisor is someone who wants to see you grow you do know that your success is their success. Mm-hmm. And so by, and, and what I really like you're saying is don't hide in your cubicle. Don't hide the file. Just go and say, again, treating your boss as, as a, a thought leader, another person that you're working with to accomplish a goal and to see them as somebody that is part of the process and not the judger who, you know, you have to, mm-hmm. to please or not please. We um, are going to take another very short break, and then we're going to come back and continue our conversation on how to deal with um, fear in your workplace and then learn a lot more about Jennifer and what, what she's got coming up in the next month or so. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book. Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Jennifer Thornton. But right before the break, we had just started to touch on having a positive, open conversation with your supervisor. And then during the break, we were talking about getting the perspective um, of what it's like to be that supervisor, that that might help you overcome your fear in communication. So, Jennifer, I'm going to turn it over to you and let's talk about supervisors and where they are on this fear spectrum. So what I want your listeners to know, no matter where they are in their career, in my experience, the higher level the leader is, the more fear they carry with them every single day. And I know when I was um, in different parts of my career and I looked at high level executives, I thought, man, it must be nice to go be them. They always make the right decision. No one's ever judging them. They're never in trouble. Like I write the stories we create. And what I learned as an executive coach is no one in the room has more fear than the actual executive. Um, and there's for a lot of reasons, right? They make a lot of big decisions. You know, they've got a lot of people on payroll. They got to make really good decisions to make sure everyone on the team has um, a paycheck at the end of the day and the company's viable. Um, so what I want you to know is when you're interacting with your supervisor, no matter what level that person is, they're entering that with their own fear. And chances are their fear may even be greater than yours. And oftentimes, you know, we just talked a lot about that you know, supervisor requiring perfectionism. One of the reasons why supervisors or leaders require perfectionism is that for, through their own fear. So if I can force everyone on my team to be perfect, then therefore I'm perfect and therefore I won't get in trouble. And so it's so important for us to recognize that when you go in and you sat down with your leader and you go in to have a really great conversation, just knowing that you know, we each, there's not a human in this world that is not dealing with fear in some way. It's required for us to be alive and to give some grace to that and give some acknowledgement to that so that it opens up that conversation so you can engage with that person in a whole new way. I, I really, I like that. And what we were sharing too is that not only is your supervisor, um, fearful that you um, won't perform, but they're also fearful of what their supervisor. So they've, they're getting it from bo- both sides. Um, any other thoughts about 
maybe opening that communication with the supervisor, you know, not saying, oh, gee, I know you're as afraid as I am, but but something that um, Mm -hmm. can open that, that channel of communication and show that you really do want to help them be successful. So again, sometimes it's asking those questions you don't know the answer to. And, you know, if your boss seems especially tense that day or they're not themselves that day, ask a question, say, you know what, I have a feeling there might be a lot on your plate this week. What can I do to relieve some of that to ensure that our team is successful? And when you say something like to your supervisor, you'll watch them go, like you'll watch their shoulders go down. You'll, they'll be like, oh, like someone, you know, someone cares, someone appreciates me, someone's willing to help. Um, you know, those types of conversations starts to open up because again, you know, you don't want to say, hey, it looks like you're in a lot of fear today. What's going wrong, right? <laughs> but you can say, hey, I, you know, I, I sense that there's something going on and you don't have to ask what it is because maybe it's not our business. Maybe they don't want to talk about it, but you can just say, how can I help? What, what's one thing I could do for you today to make sure that you're successful tomorrow? And those are questions you don't know the answer to, and, but let them answer it. That, that's a wonderful way. And I really like that um, you emphasize just that general question. You don't need to know what's bothering them because that's too personal, mm-hmm. but the, it looks like, you know, there's a lot going on. It's, can I do something to, to help? Um, move it, your projects move along, or how can I be supportive? I, I really like that. You have shared such amazing career advice, but I just want to do the open-ended question about what else would you like to share with our listeners? You know, what else I would like to share with your listeners is um, do the work to think about how you want to lead, because even if you're an individual contributor, you're, you're a leader. Everyone's a leader. And so often we look at leadership best practices and a lot of those best practices were created in the industrial revolution. They were created before we knew anything about the brain because what we know about the brain, we've only really discovered the last 20 to 25 years. You know, you can't take the brain out, look at it and put it back in. Doesn't work. Um, So how we've been taught to lead and how we've been told or taught to talk to each other in the workplace was created in a time that is not today. And it was created in a time when we didn't recognize how much our neuroscience of our brain impacts us in the workplace. And so as you start to go through your self-discovery, your your own learning, um, you know, really trying to grow yourself, really think about into the future. Don't look about what worked in the past, but look at who's talking about future and always be in the future because even five years from now, the stuff we're talking about today will be old. And so constantly pushing yourself to see what's on the other edge of what's new in a way you can be productive in the workplace and at home. Great, great advice. Keep looking forward um, and embrace some of these new concepts of how our brain works and how, how we react and knowing that that will evolve. So in five years, we'll be having a different conversation, but we'll still be moving forward trying to understand what motivates us and how we can, you know, find that, that work environment, which we find totally rewarding and be part of that healthy, healthy community. Um, We ask each of our guests to challenge our listeners with a five second challenge, which is something they can do right after the show that will help them begin to develop a career advancing skill. So what would you like to challenge our listeners to do? 
So the next time, um, which will happen today because you're human, the next time today when all of a sudden that little fear pops up and you start to tell yourself the story of why it's going to go bad or why it's why you're not good enough or why this or why that, I want you to stop and say, hey, fear, I hear you, I see you, but this is how I'm moving forward. And just start practicing that. And, you know, you can do that in five seconds, um, in five minutes. And if you struggle to kind of get on the other side, again, start to ask the question, what else could be true? And that will help. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Jennifer, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing? You've, You've talked about, you know, some of the where your career is taking you, but I know you have some really exciting things coming up. And I'm hoping you'll share with them. Absolutely. So one of the things we do every year is we offer a free leadership leadership workshop series. And we do it in April of every year. And it's called Leading Edge, specifically um, titled Edge, because we're trying to always present what's next in leadership. And again, looking towards the future. And so this year, we kick off the program on April 21st. Our first session on that day will be about growth mindset and best practices on how to grow your mind. You may hear things like asking yourself what else could be true. Um, Then um, on that Friday, the 23rd, we're going to talk about leading through influence because leading through direction doesn't work. FYI, it just doesn't. And then our third workshop is the last week of April. And in that one, we're going to talk about conversation agility. And that's about hearing limiting beliefs in your team and yourself and then changing the conversation. And what's exciting about that is I think you're going to go even deeper into the, the topics that we touched on today. And I, what I really like is you, you reminded us that we're all leaders. Even if we're an individual contributor, we are a leader. We may not be labeled leader, but other people look to us. And so it's never too early to start developing those leadership skills. So um, anything else you'd like? Well, how do people find out about this, this workshop? So you can find out about the workshop um, by connecting with me on LinkedIn at Jen Thornton ACC, or you can jump on our mailing list at 304coaching.com and we'll provide the links um, for the show notes. Fantastic. All right. So um, I know I'm looking forward to it and excited about the fact that I can hear more about all of the, the study and research and skills that you have developed and What I really appreciate is the fact that you're willing to share. For those of you, um, this program is free. There is no charge. Jennifer and I had a long conversation about what we do is try and share as much free information as possible so that people can build their careers, have the career they want, be part of the community they want. So, Jennifer, I can't thank you enough for coming on today and sharing all of this information with us. I, you know, I know I've learned a few tricks. I really like that. Take fear by the hand. This is not something I'm going to try and push away. I'm just going to say, okay, fear, let's go together (laughs) and let's handle this. Um, um, To our listeners, next week, we, um, our, our guest is Terry McDougall. And the topic's going to be office politics. And for some of you that are going, oh, no, no, not office politics. I hate that topic. Um, I can't tell you how many clients I have had over the years that have said, oh, I hate the office politics where I am. You know, I need a new job. Let me find a new job where there's no politics. And I want to share with you that unless you're working with one other person and perhaps you're married to them, um, you're not going to get away from office politics. So we are going to tackle it like all topics like fear and any, anything else that's holding us back. We're just going to come right up to it and we're going to talk to it. 
about it. We're going to figure out how to work with it. And because it is an issue for so many people, I really want to encourage you to either, if you listen to us live, and I know there's many of you that do, be prepared to call in. If not, send me an email telling me your situation, and I will ask Terry how we can solve it, um, and you can move forward. So if you would like to share a question or a situation you'd like covered on the air, then please um, email me at careercentralhost at gmail.com. That's the name of the show, host at gmail.com. We always appreciate um, feedback. So whatever platform you listen to the show on, please send us feedback. If you're a longtime listener, you know that we'll have a topic like interviewing and we'll have comments. We want more interviewing and we bring that. We brought office romance, all of those things, because we heard from you about what you want. Just want to remind people that if you are facing a job loss or um, know someone who is, check out my book, uh, Career Restart, Practical Advice for Surviving and Moving Forward After a Job Loss. It's available on Amazon. It's designed to be a quick read and talk about all of those unique situations that happen in your job search after you've been terminated or laid off. I want to remind you about this week's five-second challenge, which is absolutely fantastic. Sometime today, you're going to get that pit in the bottom of your stomach that says, I shouldn't do this. I'm going to, people are going to think I'm dumb if I do this. And you are just going to say, fear, I hear you. I see you. And this is what I'm going to do. And if that doesn't work, then you're going to go back and say, let me ask some questions about you know, what's really going on. Am I really interpreting this situation as fear or am I just seeing it as fear when it's really not? So until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman encouraging you to take care of your career because you are the only one who's qualified to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thank you.